As we've been praying here at the prayer center over the last number of months, one thing that the Lord has been bringing to our mind and our attention and making a focus is this whole issue of deception. And the whole thing opened up for us when the enemy overstepped his bounds and brought a Mormon temple into our city. And as we began to pray, the Lord began to uncover things and began to show us how that was even able to happen in the city. And we began to see that it was a spirit of deception that called it in. And we began to see where that was uh, resident within the city. And so we've been praying about this manner of deception. And as we've been praying, the Lord has been giving each of us, Alan, Eileen, and myself, different scriptures. And he's been leading us on this road to deal with this issue. And so tonight we're going to do something a little different than what we might ordinarily do. Uh, we're going to sort of do a little tag team here tonight and talk about different scriptures on this whole issue of deception. Because it's important that we see and understand in this day. Because the Lord is leading us. He's giving us an opportunity as we've already prayed, to see him as he really is. And there's a danger, there's a danger in the church in this day, even, even as God has opened up this opportunity for us, we in our humanity can always go astray. And there are many who, who can come into this 24-hour prayer movement and instead of seeking after God, they're really seeking after an experience. And when you're seeking after an experience, anything can happen that's not God. And then you step into this experience and you think it's God, but it's not God. And then you get turned off and you go in all these different directions that are not God. And so we're going to talk a little bit about some deceptions and highlight certain scriptures that the Lord has been bringing to our hearts. And I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 23. Because the Lord has been focusing me on a particular issue that is, in my mind, and, and according to the word of God, is all connected to this manner of, of deception. Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, verse 25. And this is Jesus speaking. He's been speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees. And he's here speaking now. And he says to them in verse 25, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. How many times have we heard Jesus say that? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. So you know that there's a problem there. Woe to you, he says. For you pay tithes of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. And he goes on and on and talks about them. Now go further down. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, verse, verse 24. I'm sorry. Blind guides, he calls them. You strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. This is the verse I'm looking to. Verse 25. He says to them again, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish. But inside, they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Then he says, blind Pharisee. First cleanse the inside of the cup and dish. And the outside of them may be clean also. He says, woe to you. 
the inside, your heart is full of extortion and self-indulgence. Now, what is self-indulgence? If you want to just break it down, what is it? It's lust. It's the lusts of the flesh. It's the lust of the eyes. It's the pride of life. Self-indulgence. It's self-indulgence that makes us sit in front of the television for hours and hours and hours. It's self-indulgence that makes us sit at the table and eat and eat and eat and eat. It's self-indulgence. It's lust. It's lust. And the Lord has been showing me that there's a, there's a direct connection between lust and deception. Because lust is like the door that open, that's the door to deception. It's standing right there. And if you, if you open the door to lust and you walk through, there's deception right there to meeting you. Hello, come on in. I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. Now, go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. I turn to Luke chapter 8. John chapter 8. Okay. Look at verse uh, 42. Again, Jesus is here speaking. And again, he's speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees. And he's talking to them. And they're, you know, they've already said to him, well, Abraham's our father. And, and who are you to speak to us the way you speak to us? We're of Abraham. We're Abraham's seed. And so we pick it up in verse 42. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Then he says, why do you not understand my speech? And we can stop there. Why do you not understand what I'm talking about? I'm talking truth to you. Why don't you understand what I'm speaking to you? My speech. He says, because... You're not able to listen to my word. You can't stand to hear it. You can't hear this. And then he answers his own question because they're sitting there dumbfounded. He says, verse 44, you are of your father, the devil. Watch this. And he says, and the desires of your father you want to do. Lust, desires. We get drawn away by those things that we desire, those things that we want. And many people live in that level of carnality. God has said that we're not supposed to be carnal, carnally minded, but we're supposed to be of the spirit, spiritually minded. You can go back home and read Romans chapter 8 later and get a refresher course of those things that we're supposed to have our minds set on. But he says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. And he goes on to say that he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Again, that word truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. Excuse me. For he's a liar and the father of it. Once we begin to open this door of lust... It then opens the door of deception and all the manner of everything that's connected to deception is there. Light, lying, 
um, cheating, stealing, murdering. Because all of that is connected with our lusts. We will do anything to meet the need, to feed the lust. Look at James chapter 4. He says, your, your desires are of your father, the devil. And he's a murderer, and he's a liar, and he's a cheater. We've got to be careful. James chapter 4, verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Come on. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? That war in your members? And we're not talking necessarily about members of a congregation, but we could stop there. <laughs> we're not just talking about members of a family, but we could camp there for a while too. But we can make it very personal, and it is personal. It's the members within our own being, our own members, our own heart. Wars, strifes amongst us, brethren to brethren, they happen because of our desires for pleasure. And then it says, verse 2, you lust and you do not have. What a pitiful thing. What a pitiful thing. You're still lusting, you're still hungry, you're still going after stuff, and you still have nothing in the end. You ha in fact, you have less than what you began with. He says, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. There's a real connection between lust and, and, and failing to recognize that everything that we need and everything that we have comes from God. And so we're lusting after all of these things. If I do this, if I do that, if I get this, then I can make my way or I can be somebody or I can do something. Instead of recognizing that he's already given us everything we need for life and godliness. It's already been given. And all we need to do is tap into the spiritual resources, the heavenly resources that have already been provided. It's right there. All we need to do is tap into it. And we were praying earlier about truth and revelation, having a revelation of our God and a revelation of who he is. He is truth. He is truth. He said, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And if we get a revelation of him, we get in the revelation of truth. And then he goes on to tell us it is the knowledge of the truth that sets us free. You know, some of us think that we can just carry our Bibles in our back pocket or we can just take it to work every day or whatever, put it in our briefcase. I got truth. I'm free. But it's the knowledge of the truth that sets us free. And so many people misquote that scripture. It's the truth that sets us free. It is not the truth that sets us free. It is the knowledge of the truth that sets us free. And the only way you come to a place of knowing truth is when you meditate on it, you chew on it, you allow it to come into your life and, and, and almost sink down into the bone marrow of your soul so that the word becomes flesh, the truth, the word becomes flesh in you. And that is what sets you free. But instead, we're warring with lusts. And lusts open the door to deception. 
And the devil knows that. And so when all these deceiving type of cults and things come into play, they are preying on the weakness of the flesh. They prey on those lusts and the desires of the heart. That's why they can be so successful. Because they get you in your weak place. Mormonism. I've heard so many stories of people coming into that because they tell you, oh, you can, you can, you had a, a family member who died, a woman who's lost a child. Oh, that child can be in heaven forever. And you can go and you can just pray and do all this ancestral stuff. And it preys on this deep de- human desire, natural desire to, to a love for a child. But they get drawn away. They get drawn away. Cults, they prey on the desires of our hearts. And so we've got to be careful about them. We've got to be careful about our lusts and our desires. And check them out. Where are they coming from? Is this of God? Is this not of God? What am I desiring? Is this really out of the truth? Based on the truth. If not, the ground we're on is shaky. And invites other things. Amen? Amen. Let's just pray for a moment because we want to. Uh, okay, we who are sitting here, I trust that we're not going to be pulled away by deceptions. But we who are sitting here have got influence in many other people's lives. And we need to understand the times and the seasons. Didn't Jesus say, Look at the, the skies? You know whether it's going to rain tomorrow or not. We're supposed to know the time we're living in. And we are living in deceptive times. And I tell you, we, we don't know if we're deceived. That's the, that's the very nature of deception. You never know you're deceived. That's the nature of it. Everybody else in the world is deceived but you. you know? The nature of deception is you don't know you're decept- deceived. But we're living in society which is deceived. We're living in congregations who are deceived. And so we just need to be able to have that word of revelation and correction and wisdom. And we also need to know how to pray. Are you with me? Father, we just ask you, Lord, that you would come and just absolutely, utterly deliver us from those lusts of the flesh. Father, we, we recognize that uh, if that there's something on the inside pulling us, Lord, we're going to end up in the wrong place and we're going to be ending up where we're vulnerable to every kind of deception. And so, Father, we ask you, Lord, that you would so radically deal with the inside of us, Lord, that, Father, it's a truth that we have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but it's not I, but it's Christ that lives within me. Lord, let that become the the absolutely foundational truth of the way in which we live. Lord, not just knowledge in our heads, but Lord, the reality of the doing of it within us, Lord, that we are those who are crucified. We've crucified the flesh and all its lusts. We have done it, Lord. God, let it be such a done deal in our lives, Father, that we live with a crucified flesh and all those lusts crucified 
in Jesus' name. And that, Father, we take up our cross daily. And, Lord, that we, we live it daily with that crucifixion working within us, Father, so that we're not drawn away in this deceptive world. Father, we just ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to just share, carry on from where Natalie's left off and just share a few more scriptures. Um, we're living, as I've just prayed and said here, we're living in a society which is deceived. And uh, those deceptions grow by the day. And we, we're moving into new things, more subtle. And one of the um, nat- well, part of the nature of the, of the devil himself, Satan himself, is in one of his names, he's called the deceiver. Okay, we're getting near the end of the age, and the deceiver is out to deceive. If he, if he can't kill us, he'll deceive us, and he'll get us that way. And I tell you, in some nations in the world, people are getting persecuted for the faith. In this nation, they're getting deceived. But the end result is the same. They're robbed away from the truth. And I just believe that this nation is an absolutely sitting duck for the work of deception from the enemy. And we don't know it because it's happening in churches. It's happening everywhere. Our children are being deceived in their youngest days in schools. Everywhere it's at work. Um, I found this scripture and it just hit me hard. Hosea chapter 10 verse 13. Hosea chapter 10 verse 13. I think it's just a plain picture of this nation. You have planted wickedness. United States of America, you've planted wickedness. How do I say that? They've even enacted wickedness into the law. We've got wickedness by law. We, United States, you have planted wickedness. You have reaped evil. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 13. You've reaped evil. And that is evident before our eyes, isn't it? On every side, we see breakup of families. We see abortion. We see death. We see premature death. We see sickness and disease. Well, it's just not just a happening. We are a very sick nation, a disease-ridden nation. Why? Because we, we're walking in sin. We're walking in deception. You're reaping evil. You've eaten the fruit of deception. I'm reading the NIV translation here. You have eaten the fruit of deception because you have depended on your own strength and your many warriors. Is there a nation on the face of the earth which has depended more on its own strength and its many warriors? We have not. We might put it on our um, currency. In God, we do we trust. But that's the only place it is. It's not in actuality of society. In fact, we depend upon our own strength. And this scripture has risen up and hit us. This scripture has become a truth and a reality in our society. Now, that's a tragic thing. And we are prayer warriors here. Come on, we're, we're pointing this out. Here's a scripture for us to really pray for our nation. We can see this. We can repent over this. We can cry to God for this. And we can say, Lord, we see ourselves in this terrible state. Deliver us. All right, um, when Jesus was talking about those last days, chapter 24 of Matthew, 
He, the first word he says after um, sitting down to talk to his disciples, to talk about answering a question, what's it going to be like when you're coming of the, at the end of the age? Jesus answered and said to them in verse 4, take heed that no one deceives you. The first words out of his mouth. Take heed that no one deceives you. So we can, we can take note here that the first thing concerning these last days in which we are in the last of the last days, I know we know that, don't we? We are right here at the end of the age. Take heed that no one deceives you. So Jesus is saying that because deception is going to abound on every side. This is going to be the nature of what we're living in. And we are warned and warned all the way through. And I've just been going through the... um, uh, Paul's letters, and I've been looking in Paul's letters, and it seems to me as if letter after letter is written for one purpose. It's, it just, it's amazing how when you get on one thing, you just see it on every page. It seems that every letter is written for the purpose of warning the, those new believers at that time, don't get deceived. Don't let someone cheat you. I'm concerned for you. I'm worried over you. I'm, I'm just pleading for you because there's deceptive voices out there. There's false teachers. There's false apostles. Come on. And it's still happening. It's still happening. There's false teachers. There's false apostles. Just turn on the television. They're there. And one of the fundamental errors, fundamental deceptions, is playing on one thing which is so accepted everywhere in society and in the church, is that everything in this Christian life is for me. It's as if that is the fundamental bottom line which opens the door to this massive deception that God actually is here for us. He was here for us to save us, to do us good, and that I'm here to find my destiny. I'm here to find the good life, to be prosperous. I'm here, and God is here just as my servant. That's what it comes down to. He's here to do me good, wash my sins away from me. He's here to just make me feel good, have a happier life, and all the rest of it. God's just here for me. Now that is a fundamental deception. We are here to worship God and bring him glory. We are here to give him everything. And all we're concerned about is everything he gives to us. And the church, if you just tune in, listen to the preaching, most of the preaching is, what do I get? You come to this church, you listen to this preaching, you will feel good at this, the end of this, because you're going to find out how you have a better life. That's not what it's about. That is a deception. And that deception has absolutely captivated the church of the United States. Now, I'm calling it a deception because I believe that that's exactly what it is. And if you go to the letters in Revelation, you find that, um, you find that they are written to churches that were deceived. And you could find in any one of those letters the United States and the church of the United States. Lukewarm, ready to be spat out of the mouth of God. Why? They're deceived. And that church is still here today. And we're still in the same condition. And we've not learned the lesson because the deceiver has been in business a long time and he knows exactly how to just pull the right cord in our hearts. And the right cord, generally speaking, is what's nice for me. 
You know, I need help. I need this. I need that. Counseling lines, phone lines, and I, the endless yards of me, 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 my, 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 help, help, help. But really and truly, if people would turn the whole thing round, enter God's courts with thanksgiving. If we would just start to thank him for what we've got. You know, I remember reading an article at one time about people who are in depression. And those who are depressed, you know, they'll stay depressed forever and after if they do not start thanking God for something. And start having a concern for something else other than themselves. Depressed people are absolutely turned in on self. Now, okay, they may be sick. They've made themselves sick with themselves. You get sick of yourself in the end. (laughs) But, you know, it's not that I'm being unmerciful to them. This is what actually happens. Any depressed person is totally consumed with themselves. And their solution is to start deliberately thanking and praising God and being concerned for somebody else. Is that not the truth? This is a major, absolutely fundamental, major deception in the church. Now, I want to turn you into, uh, let's look into one of the letters of Paul. First of all, let's look at, uh, let's look in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And, uh, hi, (laughs) verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it's safe. Now, he's, he's repeating himself. And what is he repeating himself about? Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are of the circumcision, what? Who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Now, so he says, it's not hard for me to start repeating myself. He says, I'm going to, but I'm warning you about these these Judaizers, these people who are after tradition, and they're still here today. Come on, the church is full of that stuff, which is going to bind us up and is going to cut us off from the flow of life. And he gives the answer to having the flow of life. Worship God in the Spirit, number one. Rejoice in Christ Jesus, number two. Number three, have no confidence in the flesh. And you know, that is a fundamental lessons for us. I tell you, if we could walk this way, we will not be deceived. If we walk like that, we will not be deceived. If this was, this was the number one thing we do in the church, we would not have deceived churches. Because first of all, we're not here for us. We are here for him. And we come to worship the Lord. We, so we don't actually go to church for something for me. We go to church to worship the Lord, to give him something. And if we began there and we rejoiced every day of our lives in Jesus Christ, and if we had no confidence in this flesh, in other words, what's it mean to no confidence in this flesh? Of myself, I can do nothing. Okay, I, me here, me, I can do nothing. I've got no ability. I can't, I can't win this life. I can't overcome 
overcome. I haven't got any life of God. Uh, I, I haven't got anything in me to win this life except the life of God that's within me. I've got no confidence in this flesh. And do you know that's a, such a resting place to come to? You know, the rest of it is striving and hard work. When you get there, it doesn't matter how, if you studied your Bible till kingdom come. You know, every day of your life, you're in that Bible and, oh, I can get the word in me, get the word in me, get my word in me. I'll memorize this, I'll know that. If you, it, it will do nothing for you if that your confidence is in your, your striving, your efforts, your ability. No confidence in the flesh. So even in those areas of spiritual things, we have no confidence in the flesh. All right, come to Colossians. I'm concerned that today there is um, what's called postmodernism. Some of you younger people, this is this is the attitude that's in colleges and amongst young people, and this whole philosophy of life, which is robbing away simple belief and makes. People have such a, an attitude of criticism and, and, and so no pure acceptance of truth because you, you're absolutely comparing things all the time. You're, just, you're sorting out in your own mind rather than basing your life upon the, the fundamentals of the truth of God. Now, those attitudes are in society. And they're so deeply sewn into society through our education system, which is a major deception. Right there, within the, from little children all the way up, they are being deceived by the ways in which they're being taught and trained. And so their minds are being captured and pulled away from the simplicity of truth. And so we have a society which is in a deceived state. Now that society comes to church on Sunday. So it's not, it's not any different. The people in church are in the world six days of the week. And they're in church on Sunday. But they're exposed to all this for most of their lives. They have an hour or two on Sunday listening to something else. But I tell you, they, they sit there with the fog of the world in their heads. And they don't hear what's the truth even, because it comes in here and out of there, because it goes through the filter of what's in their heads from all week. And so they don't even hear it. Now, this is a, a true scenario. Say the preacher stands up and he says, um, we really need to start meditating in the word. Now, in a church, all those people around the ages who come on Sundays, whose lives are controlled by worldly thinking. Now, what are they going to say? Meditate. Okay. Transcendental meditation, yoga. Um, this is the connotation immediately in their mind. So they drag this way, drag that way. The preacher's saying one thing, they're hearing something else. Are you with me? And so the deception has worked so deeply so that even when the truth is preached, it's not heard as truth. It's heard through the filter of all this junk that's in people's minds. And I'm talking about born-again Christian minds. Come on. 
I'm not talking about just people in the world. These are people who are born again, but their minds have not been washed with this word. They've not been established upon a true foundation. They've never crucified the flesh. They've got those doors open to these lusts of the flesh. And so they're, they're captured by various areas of deception. Does that make sense to you? Okay, Colossians, quickly. Colossians and chapter 2. I'm going to begin at verse 1. For I want you to know, Paul, listen to Paul's heart here. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. For as many as have not not seen my face in the flesh. Now, just Laodicea. You remember one of the letters was to the church at Laodicea? You remember which one? It was the one which was so, the church was cold, ready to be spat out of his mouth. So he's writing to them in Laodicea. Come on, folks, I'm really concerned about you. He had need to be. Now the new church going the wrong way, already deceived. Already deceived. Didn't take long. Now, why didn't it take long? Why doesn't it take long for churches to get deceived? Because the people are already deceived. When they get into the church, they're already deceived. And there's nothing in the church which gets the deception out of them. Unfortunately, that is the truth. And we need to understand this. Oh, God help us. Verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged. Oh, hallelujah. Being knit together in love. These are the keys. These are the keys for being, overcoming this deception. Their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God. It's there for us. The knowledge of the mystery of God is there for us. Hallelujah. Both of the Father and the Son in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, verse 4. Now, this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy Empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Now, I just want to say, what do these things mean? What is this philosophy, first of all? Now, we've mentioned something of what is philosophy here. But I want to just underline a few things. Knowledge is not necessarily truth. Now, we need to understand that. That's, that statement is not received in all places, but knowledge is not necessarily truth. And you see, we, we've, got to, we've got to teach truth. We've got to understand truth. Next thing I want to say is facts are not necessarily truth. You know, we get a lot of facts, but they're not truth. Especially if you go to the doctor, he'll give you a load of facts. But it's not the truth according to this word. In Jesus' name. Now, the next thing, man's reasoning and wisdom is not truth. And man's reasoning and wisdom is that which is worldly, and it is the philosophy of this age, and it's going to lead us astray. And we need to understand that this, beware lest anyone cheat you, that 
uh, I've got a note in my Bible that says, plunder you or take you captive. Beware lest anybody plunder you or take you captive with this philosophy or empty deceit. Now, I looked that up. It's vain arguments and thought patterns which lead to delusion and lies. Now, that's not very pleasant, is it? Vain arguments that leads to thought patterns which are lies and delusion. And so here we are, <laughs> being hearing all these things, and the, and the word of God's warning us, be careful. Now, the tradition of men, okay, that's all these traditions we get in church ways, and also traditions of cultures and society. You know, that can really trap us because we always do this. We, 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 this is us. This is how we behave. And all that stuff, which is actually of this world and nothing to do with our heavenly being and our, our glory that's ours in Christ. Next thing, basic principles of the world. And I've just wanted to, this is a world influence. This is talking about the influence of the world. Now, some of those things which we take for absolute Granted, it's just how we are in this world. All right. Immorality is normal in our world. Fornication is normal in our world. You know, um, some, it sort of shocked me once when it just came home to me. that When people were divorced, it was almost assumed, okay, there was no immorality after divorce. <laughs> you know, you just live as you like. You know, because after all, I've done that thing, so I'm, I'm in this new level now. I could just live anyhow. And so just the whole mindset of immorality in society is so set. Nobody even challenges it. And so it just comes straight into church. And nobody's shocked if someone's living with somebody or there's um, children born out of wedlock, even amongst the believers, these things. Okay, smooth it over. Let's get on with life. That was a mistake. Oh, she slipped up. Oh, what a shame. You know, it's just the casual attitude to all these things. But it's the, it's the basic principles of this life which have just invaded us. We're, so, we're told, don't let anybody treat you. Covetousness is a part of our society. It's normal just to want. I want that. I want this. We don't need it, but we just want and that wanting is evil according to the scripture. And it's one of the Ten Commandments. Do not covet. But a fundamental thing in the heart of God is that we should not be covetous. But that's forgotten. Even in the church, thou shalt not covet. Materialism is just so, it's like a cancer of society. And it's hard to live a life which is a spiritual life not tainted with materialism. You don't know where to draw the line. Where is the line? Who knows where the line is? You go to another society and the line is in a different place. And so it's very, very hard. We have to understand how to live with materialism and not let materialism control us. We live in this, in the world, but we're not to be of the world. There's permissiveness. There's the other thing I just want to mention is pleasure. Pleasure. Entertainment and pleasure, uh, you know, these are not facets in the scripture for us. Pleasure is not outside of God in the scripture. The only pleasures in the scripture, it's in him. 
But our society is concentrated upon pleasure and entertainment outside of God. And so we are robbed. Am I getting too radical? But this, this is where I see deception has got open doors into our society, into our hearts, into the church. Now, okay, I'm not, I'm not proposing that we all go to a nunnery or a monkery. <laughs> I'm not proposing that. <laughs> but I'm proposing that we do live godly in Christ Jesus and that we do resist all these worldly things and we keep them outside of ourselves. There's so many things. There's, there's so much covetousness. There's so much vanity of life. And we need to resist that vanity. And not be deceived. Oh, I could say so much more. But I know that Alan's got something he wants to add to all of this. No, you don't? Well, you can. <laughs> Bless you, Jesus. Well, you, mm, we, we, but I just want us to pray over these things first of all. Can we do that? Father, we, we, first of all, we really want to pray for the church. We honestly do. We just come to you, Lord, and we ask you, Lord, that your church should be protected from the power of deception. Lord, in these subtle ways in which it works. Lord, there's no... we. Half the church, the majority of the church doesn't even see that it's being deceived by these things. And so, Father, we ask you, Lord, graciously start taking the covers off this, Lord. Lord, start exposing deception to the church. Let the church understand the power of deception. Let it see where it's being deceived, Father. And, Lord, we're not pointing the finger. We're asking you, Lord, to protect us and to keep us, Lord. Open our eyes. But, Lord, we do cry for the church Lord and you say that judgment begins at the house of the Lord and we know Lord that you are not going to have a deceived church we know Lord you're not going to have a worldly church Father Lord you're going to have a holy church a chaste virgin bride Lord oh God and you are working to that end and so Father we say strip away all these worldly things Father these controls of philosophy in the mind the deceits and vanities Father strip them away Lord that the church is pure and chaste and holy, separated only unto you, Lord God. We ask you to do that in these days, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, let, let me try and draw this all together in a few, a few minutes. Let me just pick this up. Just one thing I want to add in Matthew 24 and that is Jesus warned in verse 4 take heed that no one deceives you and then his first statement then is for many will come in my name saying that I am the Christ and will deceive you. So one thing we've got to look out for are many false Christs. Yes. Amen. I'm moving away from this whole area of our own personal flesh and all the deceptions there to undercurrents of deception that are going to run in the church and are going to be getting us going off on the wrong track and being led by someone who's a liar and a deceiver and yet he appears to be a man of God leading us into truth. Amen? That's what we're being warned of here. 
All right, and then you'll notice in all the scriptures that were read, and many more besides, that the thing that we're warned against is the world. Amen? The world's ways and the world's way of thinking. And, and let's get a little bit beyond the obvious worldly sins to the world's standards of what's important and what's unimportant, what life is all about, what makes you a success, what you're heading for, the accumulation of things and all this whole package of stuff. And it's all done honestly and it's all done by good hard work. Now in America, you, you, that's great. And it's, but, it, but the Bible says it ain't great. Mm-hmm. Amen. And if, you read, if we read on a bit more in James, we would have read this statement that friendship with the world is enmity with God. It was about two verses after our ironing stopped. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Come to Romans chapter 12 for a moment. Let me just add a few scriptures. Romans chapter 12, where Paul's finished his great glorious teaching on the cosmic purposes of God. He says, basically now, guys, I want you to do three things. Give me your body, or rather give your body to God as a living sacrifice so Jesus has complete control of it. That's verse one. Verse two is, is don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. The word transformed is metamorphosized. Metamorpho is the Greek word. In other words, you've got to die to one way of living in order to be born again to another way of living, which is what the new birth is all about. One of the great examples in nature is a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. It dies to living on three leaves, which is its world, and when it dies and and, and is cocooned in the, the chrysalis and comes out as a butterfly, he can fly in the heavenlies. Now the new life is a thousand times greater than the old life, but you've got to have the courage to die to the old one. Because a caterpillar weaves its own um, cocoon. Actually, it's the last thing it does before it dies. Because it, it knows that dying is actually the doorway to a greater life. Or at least that instinct is in it. That's a great picture that God's given us in nature. Now, most people live on three leaves. You know, my church, my family, and my, my, my job. They're the three leaves that they live on. Much, much, much. Bless my family, bless my job, and bless my church, and we three, no more, amen. It's a little, small world that we live in, and suddenly God wants to, us to die to that, to, that we might be born again to a life as big as God, Amen. All right, so you've got to be metamorphosized. You've got to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and you've just got to think differently. That's right. And that's a miracle that God will perform. Let's, let's move on. Um, uh, so, so once again, the problem is the world and thinking like the world, having the standards of the world, the ambitions of the world, the, the expectations of the world, you know, thinking like everybody else, what's important and what's unimportant, etc., James, I've already mentioned in passing, uh, don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. I want you to, to finish up now with uh, the first letter of John. And because as everybody has already said, you go to any passage of scripture in the New Testament, particularly the writings of Paul and James and Peter, they're all warning us of the same thing. Don't let anybody deceive you. So come in in first John, please. And let me see, where am I going to begin? Come, come in at... Um, come in at verse, at verse 15. Of, of, I'm sorry, chapter 2 of First John. 
chapter 2 of verse 1, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things of in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last hour and you have heard that the Antichrist or, or Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come, in, have come by which we know it's the last hour. Okay, so, so this is one of the characteristics of the last hour. And they, they went out from us, for they were not of us. So there's going to be all kinds of deceiving teachings going around, um, and, and we've got to be careful. Verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. It doesn't mean that you are, have necessarily got knowledge, but you've got a truth detector in you, given to you by God, Holy Spirit, which says, oh, be careful of that, or that's okay, you can receive it. It may be new, but, but you've got the comfort of the Holy Spirit, you can receive it. Jesus said that when the Father sends the Holy Spirit, one of the reasons he will send the Spirit is that he may lead you into all truth. Yes. <laughs> He'll keep you in the truth. So, so obviously the key to all this is an intimate relationship with God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. If you walk with them, he is the truth and so he will lead you into all truth but the, the person by which this happens is the communication you have with God the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God can speak into your spirit, bypassing your mind and telling you spirit to spirit things which enable you to know the truth even before you've heard it for the first time. Hello. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and so, so that's the great safeguard that God has given us. As you come on in, in 1 John, um, verse 21, I've not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Come down to verse uh, 26. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to do what? Try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you for as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie just as it is taught to you abide in him. So the emphasis is abide in him, abide in him, abide in him. Okay, you ready? Come on into chapter 3. Let's come down to chapter 3 and it says this. Uh, verse 7. Little children do what? Let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. In other words, if you are of the truth, you're going to live a righteous life. And if you're living in sin and like sin and go to church every Sunday to get your sins forgiven, then you are of the devil. Even if you're just a church-going devil, that's all. <laughs> that's all you are. Anyway, it says in verse 10, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Or if you like, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. That's what a better translation. You can tell because not, not by what they say they believe, but what their life says. He that practices sin is of, is of the devil, whatever he may say, and how much Bible verses he's memorized. 
I mean, I was casting some demons out of a man some years ago, and as I started to to address these demons, I began to quote Philippians chapter 2, for God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. And this mocking demon in this man began to quote the scripture, word perfect, went through the whole book of Philippians without making a mistake. And he, knew, he knew the Bible better than I did. But that didn't mean he was saved. Amen? Because he had not grasped that truth. Obviously a demon, a devil can't do that. I'm not getting into all that stuff. I'm just simply saying that knowledge of the Bible just means that you can be a Bible knowing devil or a, <laughs> it, it's what the truth is doing in you that, that proves who you are. Amen? Amen? And that's the truth. And there's a power, which of course John's emphasizing here, uh, of so encountering the truth that it totally transforms you. Verse, and one of the great tests is, is who and what we love. Okay? Now let's move on to verse chapter 4. And I'm going to close with this. because, I, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. We're told in the end of the book of Thessalonians that we're not to believe every prophecy, but we are to test them and hold fast to that which is good. So just blindly receiving prophecy is a dangerous form of deception that's going on in the church right now. They've got to conform to certain standards. Obviously, it's not my time to teach on this, but first of all, whatever... The, 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 the person who brings the prophecy, his life, according to scripture, ought to testify that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. In other words, is the person Christ-like? And if they're living like the devil and just coming out to prophesy, then you know that's of the devil. It's that simple. Amen? However impressive it may be, because the clairvoyant spirit of the devil is extremely close to the true word of knowledge. In fact, I've heard Hindu holy men, so-called, giving supernatural knowledge of people just the same way, that, but it's of the devil. And so we've got to test the spirits to see whether they're of God. Amen? Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Now that's pretty simple, isn't it? Amen. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist. In other words, this is the devil coming in and making out that he's God. And we read all about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, that the, 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 the false prophets, it's not surprising that we have false prophets, because the devil comes and masquerades as, as, as an angel of light. And so false prophets and false apostles, obviously they're going to be very convincing. Amen. And sometimes they don't know what they're doing, but they've sold themselves for fame, for success, for prosperity or various other things. Sometimes it's a deliberate demonic plant. I've ministered to several people now in churches around this nation, not other nations, who were brought up in the depths of, of witchcraft. They've, some of them were even born of, of, of worshipping witches and then they were trained from their earliest days to become you know, powerful agents of Satan. They went through horrible sexual orgies to become married to Satan and when they're completely possessed and controlled by him, then they're trained how to become like a charismatic. 
And I've met several, and then they're planted in a significant church somewhere to destroy it from the inside. Now that's what's going on in our nation right now. I'm not telling you where or who, but I could. I'm not going to do that, but I'm just telling you that we've got to be just a little bit careful about all this stuff. Amen? And yet at the same time, we want to hold fast to that, which is good. Because Paul says, don't despise prophesying. Because you get to a point where you get so cynical about it, you refuse everything prophetic. He says, now don't do that. Don't despise prophesying. But test everything and hold fast to that which is good. In other words, we've got to be wise about what we receive. And and one of the the tests is the source. And in other words, what kind of person? Are they in relationship to other people? Are they under authority? Or are they loose cannons going around, answerable to nobody? That, that, all these are warning signs to me. What kind of life do they live? Are they living godly, holy lives? Are they men or women of prayer? Or do they want to run with their, with their honorarium to the nearest supermarket to squander it on lavish clothes and lavish living? If they're that kind of person, leave debts, unpaid credit card stuff around for the church to pick up. I mean, tell you, I'm telling you, this is real life experience with me. So, well, I'm not going to trust what that guy says while he lives this way. Amen? Amen. The second thing is, is it biblical? Because the Spirit of God will never prophesy contrary to his word. That's why being soaked in the word is a great defense against deception. And the third thing, according to scripture, is does it come to pass? In the Old Testament, if it didn't, you stoned them. I wish we did that today. It would solve us a few problems. <laughs> I couldn't, that, was a, that was a bit harsh. <laughs> At least they wouldn't go on deceiving. But if, they, if it doesn't come to pass, then you have every reason to reject the trustworthiness of that prophetic source. That's what my Bible says, that's what your Bible says. Amen? Okay, let's read on. So test every spirit to make sure that it's God. And, we're told, and this is the spirit of Echos which you've heard coming in and is now already in the world. Let us love, beloved, because everyone who loves is born of God. That's the great test. The great test is whether the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Now, I'm just going to mention this rather than go into it, but I've just come back from um, two weeks in, in Europe. I just got back a, two, a few days ago. Then I went away for the weekend, and I was in three nations, Austria, and in Slovenia and in Croatia. These are Balkan nations, and I hit the most unbelievable, fierce opposition in Croatia. I mean, this is all Catholics. I just want you not to fall into the deception that's so gone in the world. I tell you, the death of the last Pope, and the appointing of this present Pope, is one of the major sale efforts of the devil that's gone on for decades. And it's amazing how many Protestants are now deceived, and how many of them are thinking, well, he actually was a very nice guy, and all the, the leaders of the states of the world all went and paid homage to this dead man, and the devil is really reaping wholesale on this. Please listen to me. And yet the spirit of deception, pulling people back to all the errors of Rome, has come in greater, stronger force, particularly in Europe, but it's working in this nation as well, particularly in the Hispanic community. 
And we've got to understand that these are some of the deceptions that we're facing right now. We've got to, we've got to be watchful and we've got to, in the spirit realm, we've got to be dealing with these, these spirits of Antichrist. And much of it is centered around the spirit of death that works through these superstitions. Mormonism, of course, is strongly infiltrated by this spirit. It's already been mentioned. And all the worship and honoring of the dead, which goes on in Catholicism, all the, you know, the indulgences and prayers for, for those that have already died to reduce their sentence in purgatory. And this stuff is all being revived. You go to any, uh, any graveyard in Poland or, 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 or Czech, or, um, um, Croatia or Austria and, and it's, it's like a bizarre worshipping of the dead it's absolutely bizarre and you, 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 these things are so strong and, and as a result it hates the truth that comes in the true preaching of the word of the gospel and we hit incredible opposition and are in Croatia but we saw tremendous breakthrough we saw miracles and the power and signs of God but at the same time we saw the fury of the devil let loose and I came back just to America, and after one day, I went to Titusville, Florida, to the you know, quite a large Baptist church, which is opened its heart up to the Spirit. But this is what I just want to tell you here, is that probably at least a third of that church are people who are engineers and scientists working in, in the, uh, the NASA space station, where they fire off the, the satellites. It's a church full of what Eileen described, you know, the philosophy and intellect of men. You know, they've got old Baptists, but you know, they've, they've, it's got to be reasonable to their mind. Well, I've, I've had contact with this church for years, but this time I really went to war against this spirit because God told me to, and particularly in the form of deception that leads to chronic unbelief. And I have never seen anything like it in my life as I did on Sunday morning when I went for these spirits and, and there was all these rows and rows of eminent, qualified no, very stiff, proper Baptist. And I, it was like as if God slaughtered them. And I've never seen anything like it in my life. With some great miracles taking place. It was absolutely fantastic. And I saw God break something open in the most amazing way. Thank you, Lord. Then Eileen had already gone ahead and she was in uh, <coughs> Miami with Guillermo Maldonado, who was, you know, was here for that intensive on healing. And what a precious brother he is, isn't he? Well, we went to his own home church. Eileen on the Saturday just took the intercessors. They had to restrict the people to very severely to only allow the first four or five hundred key leaders to come. If they'd opened the doors, there would have been thousands there. And I was thinking, I'm, I'm longing for these days to come to San Antonio. Yes. I really am. He told me, Guillermo told me over, over lunch one day, he said that they now have 700 evangelizing house groups and they are baptizing into the church between two and 300 people every week. They're just building a, a building which I went to see and it's got a main auditorium now of 6,500 with the most marvelous facilities. The shell is almost complete. They're building the whole thing for cash. And this is a Hispanic, Spanish-speaking community. And God told him, don't you get a loan from the bank. You just trust me, because I want this to be a testimony to the Hispanic people that I'm not the God of debt, I'm the God of infinite resources. And so he's believing God every month for half a million dollars over and above the normal expenses of running the church. And for six months, every month, that money's coming. Isn't that tremendous? This is, this is not Seoul, South Korea. This is Florida, America. It's getting near. Amen. 
But, but there we had to deal with unbelief and deception, and there was a tremendous breakthrough there. We saw all kinds of things happen. And I just want to, I just tell you, this is, I mean, I came home from Europe absolutely burning with this deception thing. Eileen has been on fire, and so has Natalie, and we've, we've come to this thing independently, but this is something that God is saying to us right now. So I want us to do basically three things. Number one, to make sure that it's not in us. And if it is, God, will you expose it? If it's in our mind, in the way we think, then Lord, we want our minds totally renewed. If it's in wrong, lusting desires for things that we shouldn't lust after and desire, God, we want that thing broken in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? And we want our passion to be for God and for his kingdom, and we want our intimacy with the Lord and with his spirit to be so strong and so intimate that that the spirit can lead us into all truth, and it will be impossible for us to be deceived. And we will listen to the Spirit and we will be sensitive and wise about what we receive and what we don't receive. And, amen? And Lord, we're, we're asking you, Lord, to... I'm asking... I want to pray this for a few minutes. Lord, we're asking you to drive the spirit of deception out of the prophetic ministry in America at this time. Yes, oh, God, if you could clean that prophetic word up so we could trust it, what a powerful thing it would be. Yes, Lord, there's so much confusion and there's so much rubbish that's said in the name of prophecy. And there's so much self-seeking manipulation, looking after fame and money and trying to make myself the person. I brought the biggest word to this nation. Oh God, will you destroy all that stuff? Lord, we don't want to reject prophecy, but I'm getting darn near to it because I'm so tired of all this falsehood. Lord, will you clean it up? Destroy that spirit of deception, Lord, which you said is the Antichrist. It's all part of the, of the confusion. Because here you are, you want to gather together an army, a bunch of warriors who know what it's all about, who've got a sure word from God, who know what to attack and how to do it, Lord. And this is confusing us. Leading many people, many sincere good people off into false tracks, giving lots of money to things they shouldn't be giving money to. And it's just causing, oh God, will you clean this thing up in Jesus' name? Clean it up, Lord. And then, Lord, in our society, Lord, in, in the Mormonism and Catholicism and all the other uh, religious denominations, Lord, will you, will you get rid of the deception that, that here we are, Lutherism could actually be considering and wanting to have homosexual marriages and all this stuff and say it's, it's a valid part of the Christian church. Oh, God, deliver us from this deception. Set the church free. In all its various ways, Lord. And in secular society, and in our educational institutions, Lord. Will you break these deceptions? Teach us how to, teach how to be warriors, Lord. Teach us, Lord. And Lord, we want you to, to give us a, a sensitivity and, and, and weaponry against these spirits of Antichrist, Lord. We don't just want to protect ourselves, we want to protect America. We just don't want to be safe in our own deceived world. We want the world to be delivered from its deception so that hundreds and thousands will flood to the truth and become part of the true people of God, the true army of the Lord. And Lord, we're asking you, Lord, to liberate many, many people from these false deceptions which keep them from the truth. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, love.
evening. Hmm. Hmm. It's been an education, hasn't it? We thank you, Father. Well, as we just worship, as before we leave, I just want to invite you to bring your offering tonight. And Lord, we just want to thank you. We thank you for being truth. We thank you for the truth that you've sown in our hearts. Lord, we, we want to tell you we want to devour that tree of life. We want to devour it and live by your life and live by your truth. And Lord, even tonight, continue that work in our lives. Take us deeper, deeper into your heart, Lord, and give us true revelation. And help us, Lord, in these days to be deliverers of others, Father, who are in those places of deception. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. We bless you. If you're making a check, it's to um, OMI. We'll do fine. Thank you very much. Bless you. And just bring your offering. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. life is all about what makes you a success what you're heading for the accumulation of things and all this whole package of stuff and it's all done honestly and it's all done by good hard work now in america you you that's great and it's but but the bible says it ain't great amen if if we read on a bit more in james we would have read this statement that friendship with the world is enmity with god it was about two verses after where ironing stopped Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Come to Romans chapter 12 for a moment. Let me just add a few scriptures. Romans chapter 12, where Paul's finished his great glorious teaching on the cosmic purposes of God. He says, basically now guys, I want you to do three things. Give me your body, or rather give your body to God as a living sacrifice so Jesus has complete control of it. That's verse 1. Verse 2 is, is don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. The word transformed is metamorphosized. Metamorpho is the Greek word. In other words, you've got to die to one way of living in order to be born again to another way of living, which is what the new birth is all about. One of the great examples in nature is a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. It dies to living on three leaves, which is its world, and when it dies and, and, and is cocooned in the, the chrysalis and comes out as a butterfly, it can fly in the heavenlies. Now the new life is a thousand times greater than the old life, but you've got to have the courage to die to the old one. Because a caterpillar weaves its own um, cocoon. Actually, it's the last thing it does before it dies. Because it, it knows that dying is actually the doorway to a greater life, or at least that instinct is in it. That's a great picture that God's given us in nature. Now, most people live on three leaves. You know, my church, my family, and my, my, my job. They're the three leaves that they live on. Much, much, much. Bless my family, bless my job, and bless my church. And we three, no more, amen. It's a little small world that we live in. And suddenly, God wants to, us to die to that, to, that we might be born again to a life as big as God. Amen. All right, so you've got to be metamorphosized. You've got to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and you've just got to think differently. That's right. And that's a miracle that God will perform. Let's, let's move on. Um, uh, 
So, so once again, the problem is the world and thinking like the world, having the standards of the world, the ambitions of the world, the, the expectations of the world, you know, thinking like everybody else, what's important and what's unimportant, etc. James, I've already mentioned in passing, uh, don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. I want you to, to finish up now with uh, the first letter of John. Because as everybody has already said, you go to any passage of scripture in the New Testament, particularly the writings of Paul and James and Peter, they're all warning us of the same thing. Don't let anybody deceive you. So come in in 1 John, please. And let me see, where am I going to begin? Come come in at... um, Come in at verse, at verse 15. Of, of, I'm sorry, chapter 2 of First John. Chapter 2 of First John, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things of, in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last hour and you have heard that the Antichrist or, or Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come, into in, have come by which we know it's the last hour. Okay, so, so this is one of the characteristics of the last hour. And they, they went out from us for they were not of us. So there's going to be all kinds of deceiving teachings going around um, and, and we've got to be careful. Verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. It doesn't mean that you are, have necessarily got knowledge, but you've got a truth detector in you, given to you by God, Holy Spirit, which says, oh, oh be careful of that, or that's okay, you can receive it. may be new, but, but you've got the comfort of the Holy Spirit, you can receive it. Jesus said that when the Father sends the Holy Spirit, one of the reasons he will send the Spirit is that he may lead you into all truth. <laughs> He'll keep you in the truth. So, so obviously, the key to all this is an intimate relationship with God, the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. If you walk with them, he is the truth and so he will lead you into all truth but the, the person by which this happens is the communication you have with God the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God can speak into your spirit bypassing your mind and telling you spirit to spirit things which enable you to know the truth even before you've heard it for the first time. Hello. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and so, so that's the great safeguard that God has given us. As you come on in, in 1 John, um, verse 21, I've not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Come down to verse uh, 26. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to do what? Try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you for as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie just as it is taught you abide in him. So the emphasis is abide in him, abide in him, abide in him. Okay, you ready? Come on into chapter 3. Let's come down to chapter 3 and it says this. Uh, verse 7, little children do what? 
let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. In other words, if you are of the truth, you're going to live a righteous life. And if you're living in sin and like sin and go to church every Sunday to get your sins forgiven, then you are of the devil. Even if you're just a church-going devil, that's all. (laughs) That's all you are. Anyway. It says in verse 10, In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Or if you like, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. That's a better translation. You can tell because not not by what they say they believe, but what their life says. He that practices sin is is of the devil, whatever he may say, and how much Bible verses he's memorized. I mean, I was casting some demons out of a man some years ago, and as I started to, to address these demons, I began to quote Philippians chapter 2, for God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. And this mocking demon in this man began to quote the scripture, word perfect, went through the whole book of Philippians without making a mistake. And he knew the Bible better than I did. But that didn't mean he was saved. Amen? Because he had not grasped that truth. Obviously, a demon, a devil can't do that. I'm not getting into all that stuff. I'm just simply saying that knowledge of the Bible just means that you can be a Bible-knowing devil. Or a <laughs> it, it, It's what the truth is doing in you that, that proves who you are. Amen? Amen? And that's the truth. And there's a power, which, of course, John's emphasizing here, uh, of so encountering the truth that it totally transforms you. Verse, and one of the great tests is, is who and what we love. Okay? Now let's move on to verse chapter 4. And I'm going to close with this. because, I, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. We're told in the end of the book of Thessalonians that we're not to believe every prophecy, but we are to test them and hold fast to that which is good. So just blindly receiving prophecy is a dangerous form of deception that's going on in the church right now. They've got to conform to certain standards. Obviously, it's not my time to teach on this, but first of all, whatever the, 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 the person who brings the prophecy, his life, according to scripture, ought to testify that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. In other words, is the person Christ-like? And if they're living like the devil and just coming out to prophesy, then you know that's of the devil. It's that simple. Amen? However impressive it may be, because the clairvoyant spirit of the devil is extremely close to the true word of knowledge. In fact, I've heard Hindu holy men, so-called, giving supernatural knowledge of people just the same way, that, but it's of the devil. And so we've got to test the spirits to see whether they're of God. Amen? Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Now that's pretty simple, isn't it? Amen? 
And this is the spirit of the Antichrist. In other words, this is the devil coming in and making out that he's God. And we read all about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, that the, 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 the false prophets, it's not surprising that we have false prophets, because the devil comes and masquerades as, as, as an angel of light. And so false prophets and false apostles, obviously they're going to be very convincing. Amen? And sometimes they don't know what they're doing, but they've sold themselves for fame, for success, for prosperity or various other things. Sometimes it's a deliberate demonic plant. I've ministered to several people now in churches around this nation, not other nations, who were brought up in the depths of, of witchcraft. They've, some of them were even born of, of, of worshipping witches and then they were trained from their earliest days to become you know, powerful agents of Satan. They went through horrible sexual orgies to become married to Satan and when they're completely possessed and controlled by him, then they're trained how to become like a charismatic. And I've met several, and then they're planted in a significant church somewhere to destroy it from the inside. Now that's what's going on in our nation right now. I'm not telling you where or who, but I could. I'm not going to do that, but I'm just telling you that we've got to be just a little bit careful about all this stuff. Amen? And yet at the same time, we want to hold fast to that, which is good. Because Paul says, don't despise prophesying. Because you get to a point where you get so cynical about it, you refuse everything prophetic. He says, now don't do that. Don't despise prophesying. But test everything and hold fast to that which is good. In other words, we've got to be a, you know, wise about what we receive. And, and one of the, the tests is the source. Or, or, and by, in other words, what kind of person? Are they in relationship to other people? Are they under authority? Or are they loose cannons going around, answerable to nobody? That, that, all these are warning signs to me. What kind of life do they live? Are they living godly, holy lives? Are they men or women of prayer? Or do they want to run with their, with their honorarium to the nearest supermarket to squander it on lavish clothes and lavish living? If they're that kind of person, leave debts, unpaid credit card stuff around for the church to pick up. I mean, tell you, I'm telling you, this is real life experience with me. So, well, I'm not going to trust what that guy says while he lives this way. Amen? Amen. The second thing is, is it biblical? Because the Spirit of God will never prophesy contrary to his word. That's why being soaked in the word is a great defense against deception. And the third thing, according to scripture, is does it come to pass? In the Old Testament, if it didn't, you stoned them. I wish we did that today. It would solve us a few problems. <laughs> I couldn't, that, was a, that was a bit harsh. <laughs> At least they wouldn't go on deceiving. But if, they, if it doesn't come to pass, then you have every reason to reject the trustworthiness of that prophetic source. That's what my Bible says, that's what your Bible says. Amen? Okay, let's read on. So test every spirit to make sure that it's God. And we're taught, and this is the spirit of Christ, which you've heard coming in and is now already in the world. Let us love, beloved, because everyone who loves is born of God. That's the great test. The great test is whether the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Now, I'm just going to mention this rather than go into it, but I've just come back from um, two weeks in, 
in Europe. I just got back a, a few days ago. Then I went away for the weekend, and I was in three nations, Austria, and in Slovenia, and in Croatia. These are Balkan nations, and I hit the most unbelievable fierce opposition in Croatia. I mean, this is all Catholics. I just want you not to fall into the deception that's so gone in the world. I tell you, the death of the last Pope and the appointing of this present Pope is one of the major sale efforts of the devil that's gone on for decades. And it's amazing how many Protestants are now deceived and how many of them are thinking, well, he actually was a very nice guy and all the, the leaders of the states of the world all went and paid homage to this dead man and the devil is really reaping wholesale on this. Please listen to me. And yet the spirit of deception, pulling people back to all the errors of Rome, has come in greater, stronger force, particularly in Europe, but it's working in this nation as well, particularly in the Hispanic community. And we've got to understand that these are some of the deceptions that we're facing right now. We've got to, we've got to be watchful and we've got to, in the spirit realm, we've got to be dealing with these, these spirits of Antichrist. And much of it is centered around the spirit of death that works through these superstitions. Mormonism, of course, is strongly infiltrated by this spirit. It's already been mentioned. And all the worship and honouring of the dead, which goes on in Catholicism, all the, you know, the indulgences and prayers for, for those that have already died to reduce their sentence in purgatory. And this stuff is all being revived. You go to any, uh, any graveyard in Poland or, 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 or Czech or, um, um, Croatia or Austria and, and it's, it's like a bizarre worshipping of the dead it's absolutely bizarre and you, 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 these things are so strong and, and as a result it hates the truth that comes in the true preaching of the word of the gospel and we hit incredible opposition and are in Croatia but we saw tremendous breakthrough we saw miracles and the power and signs of God but at the same time we saw the fury of the devil let loose and I came back just to America, and after one day, I went to Titusville, Florida, to the you know, quite a large Baptist church, which is opened its heart up to the Spirit. But this is what I just want to tell you here, is that probably at least a third of that church are people who are engineers and scientists working in, in the uh, NASA space station, where they fire off the, the satellites. It's a church full of what Eileen described, you know, the philosophy and intellect of men. You know, they've got old Baptists, but you know, they've, they've, it's got to be reasonable to their mind. Well, I've, I've had contact with this church for years, but this time I really went to war against this spirit because God told me to, and particularly in the form of deception that leads to chronic unbelief. And I have never seen anything like it in my life as I did on Sunday morning when I went for these spirits and, and there was all these rows and rows of eminent, qualified no, very stiff, proper Baptist, and I, it was like as if God slaughtered them. And I've never seen anything like it in my life. With some great miracles taking place, it was absolutely fantastic. And I saw God break something open in the most amazing way. Thank you, Lord. Then Eileen had already gone ahead, and she was in uh, <coughs> Miami with Guillermo Maldonado, who was, you know, was here for that intensive on healing and what a precious brother he is isn't he well we went to his own home church Eileen on the Saturday just took the intercessors they had to restrict the people to very severely to only allow the first four or five hundred key leaders to come if they'd opened the doors there would have been thousands there and I was thinking I'm, I'm longing for these days to come to San Antonio yes. I really am he told me Guillermo told me over over lunch one day he said that they now have 700 
evangelizing house groups and they are baptizing into the church between two and three hundred people every week. They're just building a, a building which I went to see and it's got a main auditorium now of six and a half thousand with the most marvelous facilities. The shell is almost complete. They're building the whole thing for cash. And this is a Hispanic, Spanish-speaking community. And God told him, don't you get a loan from the bank. You just trust me, because I want this to be a testimony to the Hispanic people that I'm not the God of debt, I'm the God of infinite resources. And so he's believing God every month for half a million dollars over and above the normal expenses of running the church. And for six months, every month, that money's come in. Isn't that tremendous? This is, this is not Seoul, South Korea. This is Florida, America, beloved. It's getting near. Amen. But, but there we had to deal with unbelief and deception. And there was a tremendous breakthrough there. We saw all kinds of things happen. And I just want to, I just tell you, this is, I mean, I came home from Europe absolutely burning with this deception thing. Eileen's been on fire, and so's Natalie, and we've, we've come to this thing independently, but this is something that God is saying to us right now. So I want us to do basically three things. Number one, to make sure that it's not in us. And if it is, God, will you expose it? If it's in our mind, in the way we think, then Lord, we want our minds totally renewed. If it's in wrong, lusting desires for things that we shouldn't lust after and desire, God, we want that thing broken in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? And we want our passion to be for God and for his kingdom, and we want our intimacy with the Lord and with his spirit to be so strong and so intimate that that the spirit can lead us into all truth, and it will be impossible for us to be deceived. And we will listen to the Spirit and we will be sensitive and wise about what we receive and what we don't receive. And, amen. And Lord, we're, we're asking you, Lord, to... I'm asking... I'm going to pray this for a few Lord, we're asking you to drive the spirit of deception out of the prophetic ministry in America at this time. Yes, oh, God, if you could clean that prophetic word up so we could trust it, what a powerful thing it would be. Yes, Lord, there's so much confusion and there's so much rubbish that's said in the name of prophecy. And there's so much self-seeking manipulation, looking after fame and money and trying to make myself the person. I brought the biggest word to this nation. Oh God, will you destroy all that stuff? Lord, we don't want to reject prophecy, but I'm getting darn near to it because I'm so tired of all this falsehood. Lord, will you clean it up? Destroy that spirit of deception, Lord, which you said is the Antichrist. It's all part of the, of the confusion. Because here you are, you want to gather together an army, a bunch of warriors who know what it's all about, who've got a sure word from God, who know what to attack and how to do it, Lord. And this is confusing us. Leading many people, many sincere good people off into false tracks, giving lots of money to things they shouldn't be giving money to. And it's just causing, oh God, will you clean this thing up in Jesus' name? Clean it up, Lord. And then, Lord, in our society, Lord, in, in the Mormonism and Catholicism and all the other uh, religious denominations, Lord, will you, will you get rid of the deception that, that here we are, Lutherism could actually be considering and wanting to have homosexual marriages and all this stuff and say it's, it's a valid part of the Christian church. Oh, God, deliver us from this deception. Set the church free. In all its various ways, Lord. 
and in secular society and in our educational institutions, Lord. Will you break these deceptions? Teach us how to, teach how to be warriors, Lord. Teach us, Lord, and Lord, we want you to, to give us uh, uh, sensitivity and, and, and weaponry against these spirits of Antichrist, Lord. We don't just want to protect ourselves, we want to protect America. We just don't want to be safe in our own deceived world. We want the world to be delivered from its deception so that hundreds and thousands will flood to the truth and become part of the true people of God, the true army of the Lord. And Lord, we're asking you, Lord, to liberate many, many people from these false deceptions which keep them from the truth. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, love. Evening. Hmm. It's been an education, hasn't it? We thank you, Father. Well, as we just worship, as before we leave, I just want to invite you to bring your offering tonight. And Lord, we just want to thank you. We thank you for being truth. We thank you for the truth that you've sown in our hearts. Lord, we, we want to tell you we want to devour that tree of life. We want to devour it. And live by your life and live by your truth. And Lord, even tonight, continue that work in our lives. Take us deeper, deeper into your heart, Lord. And give us true revelation. And help us, Lord, in these days to be deliverers of others, Father, who are in those places of deception. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. We bless you. If you're making a check, it's to um, OMI. We'll do fine. Thank you very much. Bless you. And just bring your offering. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord.